All right, well, uh, we want to open up our Bibles. I want to do, to not maybe the normal message, but just do kind of a, a study uh, into the idea of deacons. I was mindful, even as last Sunday, we were looking in the book of Philippians, and I uh, want to go, we'll just start there, and we'll work backwards a little bit, uh, looking in the book of Philippians. I had noted that there was several themes about the book of Philippians, joy, the gospel, unity. Those are the three words you see repeated. Uh, Paul had wrote that letter first as thank you, a thank you note to, um, for the gift of money, finances that that church had blessed them with. Uh, and so he was just giving them a thanks. But also there seemed to be incidentally some issues between members in the church. In fact, names get called out uh, as you look in the end of the book, Eudeus uh, and Synecdoche, uh, looking at these two individuals, two ladies, and he is calling the church to help these two to get on the same page. And you see that, that theme in chapter 1, being of the same mind in chapter 2. Uh, interesting, when you look at who that letter was written to, in Philippians chapter one, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers, or your translation might say elders, bishop, with the overseers and deacons. He is recognizing in this church that's really only been there for just a few years, that there were two roles that were in this church of function, an elder, our overseer, and deacons. And he's calling these to help, especially as he brings the need for unity in the church uh, and asking them to be of the same mind. And so you see this example right here of Philippians, and you think, where does this idea come from? In fact, it was just a few years later that you see 1 Timothy was written, uh, and so, if you go to 1 Timothy, we'll see the qualifications, chapter 3, of qualifications of the elder and then qualifications of, uh, for deacons. And as we look at 1 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 8, uh, this, verse 8 through 13, is a primary text for our deacons as we examine uh, individuals to see uh, who could become a deacon. Uh, we look and see... Uh, is their life going down the direction uh, specified uh, in this passage? 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 14-15, I hope to come to you soon. But I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. 
So in Philippians, you've got what we call descriptive teaching, that there's this thing called elders, there's a thing called deacons. In 1 Timothy, it's prescriptive. In other words, he's giving instruction to the church. This is how we operate. This is how we organize. And he says there's this office of elder, and then there's this office of deacon. And so you have it right here in Scripture. But where does this concept of deacon come from? And so if you will, we'll go to the very beginning. So I'll go to Acts chapter 6, if you will. This will be our last major passage that we'll turn to. Acts chapter 6, where you see the initial introduction of this office of deacons. Um, You need to keep in mind that the word deacon, though we know it as an office, uh, the wording and the uses of it was much more general. In fact, if you would have in your mind the word waiter, waiter gives you a good idea of how the word deacon was used. Uh, And so we know, obviously, a waiter, uh, they serve the tables. Uh, We go to a restaurant, uh, and they would be these waiters. And so, uh, in in essence, the word diakonos means to serve, to wait upon the tables. And so now we've taken this action, and now we've developed an office out of it that encompasses serving, serving. Uh, And so in our church, we have asked the elders to be leading servants, uh, or servant leaders, rather, servant leaders and deacons to be leading servants, the leading servants in our church, whereas the elders are the servant leaders who serve the church by leading. And so encompassing some of the idea that we see in the Bible with this terminology of overseeing. So with that said, let's go to Acts chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, all right, so these were Jews that were Greek-influenced. They spoke the Greek language, as opposed to the Jews that grew up in Israel. A complaint by the Hellenists rose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So the early church had developed some type of welfare uh, that was church-done for the widows in their church. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. But they did not dismiss the problem. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, and we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. What they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procreus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. What I would want you to note is that many of these names are Greek names, suggesting that many of the deacons were in fact Hellenist. Remember the problem to begin with, was they were feeling like there was some uh, prejudice uh, toward the Hebrews working against the Greeks. And so they brought deacon leaders who are Greek-influenced to minister to help unify their church. And then they sat before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase 
And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And so this is the origin of the idea of deacons that you see developed, uh, made into an office by the time you get to 1 Timothy chapter 3. It is why we uh, has, have something called deacons. We don't go to other places unless you go to Wake Forest to see the terminology of deacons applied to anything else. Uh, and so this is unique to the church, uh, this concept of an office in the church that is servant. Um, by Acts chapter 6, there were already overseers uh, through the apostles, but you see that gets spelled out later on as Paul tells Titus to go to the churches in Crete and, de- and develop leaders, appoint leaders in these churches. Uh, and so you see that happen in Philippians. Uh, and so uh, it is a concept that goes back to the Jews themselves, is elders and deacons together. And so the idea is that when something comes in, and threatens the unity of the church, that the deacons are to find practical ways of serving to help preserve the unity that Christ has established. All right, so that means it looks different according to the church, according to the needs. In the early church, it looked like helping uh, take care of widows to distribute, distribute the welfare resources to take care of uh, those that were without. As time went on, it could have very well accompanied uh, those that were in prison uh, and helping minister to them as the needs uh, developed within the church itself. Uh, so in our church, I want to just share with you an evaluation form uh, that this has uh, been developed some time, time ago uh, in which we uh, looked at the expectations of church leaders, our, uh, church members. As folks were coming into our church, we were teaching them, here are some expectations of church members. And so then we start applying this to the deacons and say, deacons, if we're asking the church members to do this, we're going to ask you to be leaders in these expectations. So here are the evaluation form. And currently, uh, our staff uh, fills this out on a monthly basis. Uh, And the deacons also, according to the chairman, uh, how frequently uh, the deacons may fill this out. Um, but it says, as members of Green Pines Baptist Church, we are all committed to these actions. As deacons of Green Pines Church, we commit to lead in these actions. To demonstrate the importance of this commitment, we submit ourselves to self and peer evaluation of our commitment. Number one, I will protect the unity of my church. Romans fifteen nineteen says, let us concentrate on the things which make for harmony and on the growth of our fellowship together. To live in complete harmony with each other, each with the attitude of Christ toward each other, Romans 15.5. They're committing to acting in love toward other members. Having sincere love for your fellow believers, love one another earnestly with all your hearts, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. They're committing to uh, refusing to gossip, Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs. They're committing to following the leaders according to Hebrews 13, verse 17, to obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be no advantage to you. So based on this, we have some questions we ask, and we ask them to fill fill it out. First, have I just demonstrated an unloving attitude of speech toward another member? 
Did I allow a gossiping conversation to occur around me? Have I been supportive of God-appointed leaders in Green Pines? The second major area that we ask is that we share the responsibility of our church. Three ways. Praying for its growth, inviting the unchurched to attend, and warmly welcoming those who visit. This is according to 1 Thessalonians 1-2. To the church, we always thank God for you and pray for you constantly. Luke 14-23, Jesus is asking us to go out into the country and urge anyone you find to come in so that their house will be full. Romans 15, 7, warmly welcome each other into the church. Just as Christ has warmly welcomed you, then God will be glorified. So based on these verses, we ask, this month, have you constantly prayed for our church on a scale of 1 to 10? How many people, not church members, did you invite this month? How many Sundays did you meet someone new at church? Third category is we ask or we commit to serving the ministry of the church. Three ways, by discovering our gifts and talents, by being equipped to serve by the pastors, and by developing a servant's hearts. We're to serve one another with the gifts God has given each of us according to 1 Peter 4.10. So based on this, what questions do we ask? We say, what ministries did you serve this month? What spontaneous needs of our church did you meet? And then have you been supportive of our church being a greenhouse for the Great Commission and our work with loving our community? And then the fourth category, we ask, will you support the testimony of your church? Three ways. By attending faithfully. Let us not give the habit of meeting together, but let us encourage one another, Hebrews 10.25, by living a godly life. But whatever happens, make sure that your everyday life is worthy of the gospel of Christ, by giving on a regular basis. Each of you on the first day of each week should set aside a specific sum of money in proportion to what you've earned and use it for the offering, 1 Corinthians 16.2. So based on this, we ask these questions. Was there a time this past month when you were convicted about not attending a church event. What would the church be like if every member copied your behavior this past month? Is there an area of your life that you need to seek greater accountability and repentance? Did you tithe this month? If not, what steps do you have in place in order to be a leader in honoring the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of your increase? And then we simply ask, to the best of my knowledge, all the above information is true, and you sign and date. And so, this is based on what I teach in the new members class, common expectations for church membership. But we're asking the deacons to be leaders, and therefore, we have no uh, guilty or qualm about asking And filling out a form. We ask this of our staff as well to maintain there is a standard of commitment. Uh, As you go into leadership, the price you pay in leadership is commitment. It always is, and it's true in the church. And so when we come to Acts chapter 6, we see that God is working in the same way. And so when the question comes out, 
in Acts chapter 6, he says, I want you to find people who are known for certain things. You see that in verse uh, 3. Therefore, brothers, Acts 6, pick out from among you seven men of good repute. In other words, they're known for certain characteristics. And, and I just want to bring out a few of these characteristics as, as we go into time of prayer uh, for Eliad and Penina. He says, let them be people known to be full. What do we mean? Well, it, you'll see that phrase, full, repeated a few times uh, in Acts chapter 6. Verse 3, full of the Spirit, full of wisdom. Verse 5, they picked out a specific man, Stephen, and we, he's highlighted as one of the deacons. He was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And then verse 8, Stephen, a man full of grace and power. In Acts chapter 7, you see that most of that chapter is Stephen uh, spontaneously preaching and giving a Bible lesson to a hostile crowd starting uh, in the very beginning with Abraham, going from Abraham to Christ and giving the history of the people in the Bible. And so I would say to you that this man was also filled with God's Word. Though it's not necessary a criteria uh, in 1 Timothy 3, that's one of the distinctions of the elder from the deacon, is that they were to be men knowledgeable in the Word of God. But you see that Stephen also is a man filled with God's Word. And then at the end of chapter 7, verse 55, Stephen, he was full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And I would say that at the end, Stephen was a man who had his vision filled with God's glory. Filled with God's glory. Eliad, this is my prayer for you. And this is also what we have observed of you. To be full of the Spirit, as I've shared before, is to be yielded. To be yielded to the Spirit of God is what matters if you are representing the church in any direction, in any way, to say that the Spirit of God is the directive force. Not your agenda, not your personal feelings, not your insecurities, but to say, let the Spirit of God to direct in this. And then along with this is wisdom. Wisdom. Sometimes in dealing with the church, there are not always just the black and white issues. There, in dealing with people, there are matters of what is good, better, and best. And sometimes it's trying to discern what is the best way in working with our people. What is the best way of fulfilling God's will. And so it requires wisdom. And saying, God, give me discernment. Not only just in the word of God, but in the hearts and lives of our people. I think that one thing that I, I can't help but just observe and make note of, uh, Eli, I, I do not know the entirety of our church history of, of being through it all, only just the last 12 to 13 years, but you might be the first man that is African that is a deacon or will be a deacon in our church. Um, it could very well be that that is the case, uh, and I think that is uh, not an issue that was a selecting criteria. We're not looking for 
Africans. We're not looking for Hispanics. We're not looking for uh, Anglos. We're looking for men that are filled with the Spirit of God and the Word of God and faith and wisdom. That's the criteria. But if God has brought such a man into our church, then I would have to think that perhaps maybe God knows something that we don't. And it could very well be that you can be helpful in us, in our church, to help us to minister to those in our community that is growing, uh, that may very well be African or other uh, ethnicity. This morning, by God's grace, we've got people here in this small gathering from Haiti now, from Kenya, Sierra Leone, Adaria, and then North Carolina, <laughs> and all the other states that we're from. Isn't it amazing? Uh, right here. And we're just a very small cross-section and not even a representative cross-section of our community anymore. But I cannot help but just note that, that if the early church did something like that, that it might be fitting for our church to do that as well. And I just would say that is the directive of the Holy Spirit in this. It's not something we're intentionally trying to, to do. Verse 5 You're to be a man full of faith. Our church is to operate in fulfilling the mission of Christ. And it requires faith. The fact of the matter is that we are here to make disciples. That's the main purpose of our church. Is to make disciples of those who are not disciples of Christ. The good news is there's a lot of people that are within a mile's radius, that are not disciples. There's a lot of people that we can work with. But it's the same prayer that Jesus prayed. Lord, pray for workers to enter into the harvest field. And it's going to require some trusting in the Lord. For us to even reach a mile to two mile radius It is beyond the capacity of this facility and the financial aspect of it. Just to say, it's one thing to grow our church, but for us to actually reach two-mile radius around us. It's it's beyond us, church. We don't have the means. But the good news is, God does. And He is the one who said that He will provision us. But it means that we have to trust in the not yet and the unseen And those who are leaders will be challenged in this, as the rest of us in this church, to be men full of faith. Verse 8, and Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Full of grace and power. We've been singing about the grace of God already this morning, and that is the idea that fuels us to know where sin abounds. Uh, Grace abounds the more. Ely and Penina, you are people with sin in your life. And we know very well that as you're called as deacons, that you come called as sinners. As the rest of us are sinners. And there will be sometimes gross sin. There may be intentional sin that is done. But the good news is that there is a grace of God 
that comes in that can restore our hearts. There can be a sin that will disqualify us as leaders, but there will be never a sin that can be beyond the grace of God, save the sin of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And so that truth, Eliad, directs us and how we direct other people. For ministers and deacons to work among a group of sinners requires grace. Without grace, the church breaks down. It is the oil with love that helps a church be what it is to be. So you're to be full of grace, and yet at the same time, power. And I would say to you, as I've shared before, power comes when we are under the power, under the authority of Jesus Christ. And as we are submitted to the authority of Jesus Christ, His Holy Spirit can work through us and in us. Ilya, be a man of power. Chapter 7, in the bulk of it, be a man filled with God's Word. Study the Word of God. Read the Word of God. As we think of decisions, it is to say, what does God's Word say? Ultimately, as deacons and elders, from what the Bible teaches, we are to be accountable to God. Accountable to God. And His directive, His will, is what this church needs the most. It's what you need, it is what I need. We get that from God's Word. Be a man filled with His Word. And I'm going to pray as we see in verse 55, that someday we'll be filled with the glory of God. Have our eyes, our vision, filled with the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And, and that is the directive for our church, to say, as we make decisions, when October 22nd comes, when our Q&A comes, and, and the decisions that we do, when we do the, the, the events of ministering to the children in the area, that our heart and our mind can be filled with the vision of God's glory to ask this question, to let this be the burden pursuit of our heart, is God, what gives you great glory? A church that is not living for the glory of God may not be rightly called a church. At best, perhaps treasonous if not living for the glory of God. So as we transition to a time of prayer, I would just take note of the order of the Bible. Acts 6, Stephen was ordained by the church. Acts 7, he was stoned. He was stoned by people who claimed to be following God, including Paul. As you step into leadership, you also are stepping into warfare. Keep that in mind. That's why we are praying and we want to pray for you now. And so we're going to transition into the ordaining part where our church will lay on of hands uh, of Eliad and Penina. I'm going to ask, uh, yeah, Rich, if you'll come and um, adjust the chairs. We're going to ask Eliad and Penina to, to sit here. Uh, and if you are ordained, 
uh, as a deacon, our minister. Um, we're going to ask that you come and have a time of prayer, uh, a brief time of prayer, laying your hands, as, as the Bible teaches, a, a symbolic of uh, presenting blessings upon this individual for this work. And so, Eliad, if you'll come and sit in Penina next to uh, Eliad, his daughters, uh, Purity or, and Yvonne also are here. They're not gonna ask, we're not going to ask them to come forward, uh, but uh, they are also a part of his ministering. Uh, and so at this time, uh, all those who are ordained as deacons or pastors, um, if you'll come forward at this time, if we'll form a line down the center uh, and laying on of hands in prayer, and then you'll feel dismissed out to the sides.